Well, you're here this morning. God's here. Amen. I turn your attention to Ezekiel chapter 37 and verse 1. Amen. Ezekiel chapter 37 and verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy unto these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you sinews is like the ligaments and cover you with skin and put breath in you and ye shall live and ye shall know that I am the Lord so I prophesied as I was commanded of course this is Ezekiel writing telling this and as I prophesied there was a noise and behold a shaking and the bones came together bone to his bone and when I beheld lo the sinews and the flesh came up upon them and the skin covered them above but there was no breath in them then said he unto me prophesy unto the wind prophesy son of man and say to the wind thus saith the Lord God come from the four winds O breath and breathe upon these slain that they may live so I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they lived and stood up upon their feet an exceeding great army I want to call your attention to the fact that he prophesied two times and in verse 9 he prophesied the second time and that's when life came to these bones after the first prophecy the bones came together but after the second prophecy life came into these bones I want to speak for a few minutes this morning on this subject spiritual seconds spiritual seconds would you bow your heads and pray Lord we're thankful to be in your house thankful for the opportunity to look to your word to gather with your people to feel your presence one more time anoint our hearts and minds to receive your word and for us to speak your word without fear or favor. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated, and thank you so much uh, for standing. We are uh, excited about this uh, conference. These verses that I read to you are uh, the backbone, if I can use that um, phraseology, for our conference. And we are, uh, of course, naming the conference wins as we look to Ezekiel and these four winds we always assume these four winds meant north south east and west the bible doesn't exactly say that but we're focusing on four winds that we believe are blowing in these last days and that is apostolic unity apostolic restoration apostolic demonstration and apostolic impartation and when you look at this experience that ezekiel had in this cemetery this valley of dry bones 
you see that there was unity as these bones came together. And then you see that there was restoration as they began to be restored. Skin and sinews and bones coming together. And then the demonstration of the Spirit as they rose up and stood up on their feet an exceeding great army. I'm thankful that the Spirit of God is not just something you have to hear about, but you can actually see the physical demonstration of the Spirit of God in an apostolic atmosphere. Ladies and gentlemen, you're not serving a dead, dry God that's far off, out of touch, or out of reach. He's as close as the very mention of His name. Hallelujah. He's a God that you can feel, and He's a God that you can know, and He is real and alive. He's not sick. He's not afraid. He's not hurting. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and He sits upon the circle of the earth. He is the mighty God and the everlasting Father. And I am thankful to know that God is working in these last days. As I look to these verses and I begin to see that these bones came together, I realized that the prophecy that was given to Ezekiel was one that he pronounced and there was indeed a great noise. And there was a coming together. And I can look at even today in our modern day age of what we think of in terms of Christianity, many people gather together and there is a noise and there is that coming together. But oh, my friend, there is something about that second prophecy. There is something about that wind. There is something about that breath of God that causes life to come. Oh, hallelujah. I believe this is what our world is seeking for. I believe people are tired of just going through the motions. People are tired of just church as usual. I believe there is a new normal coming. And the new normal that's coming is a hunger for the apostolic demonstration of the Spirit of God. I believe that there's a second prophecy that's in the wind. I believe that God is calling the apostolic movement to look once again to the wind and prophesy and say, blow one more time, oh God. I don't want to just live in the flesh. I don't want to just go through the motions. I need a supernatural breath of God to blow into my life, into my home. And I'm saying, come on, let's prophesy one more time. And the same God that brought us together is the same God that's going to bring us breath and is going to bring us life and cause these bones to come alive. As I begin to look to the Word of God, I begin to see how that the Lord is not a one-hit wonder. He's not a God that just does it one time and then leaves us. He's a God that keeps on working. He's a God that says prophesy again. He's a God that says pray again. He's a God that even prayed again whenever they said, can you see? And he looked at the man and the man said, I see men as trees walking. He had been blind and the Lord had prayed for him and the Lord prayed for him again. I'm glad to tell you that God can do it not just once, he can do it twice. 
Oh, I'm thankful that I received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues uh, when I was seven years old. But I'm thankful that that wasn't the only time God's touched me and filled me with His Spirit. Uh, I'm thankful that the Lord healed my body. But I'm glad to tell you, He's still healing my body. He'll do it the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth. Uh, I'm glad to tell you that God saved me. But He's still saving me. I'm glad to tell you that He's not a God that'll just touch you once. Uh, but He'll do it the second time Mm. I want to focus for just a minute this morning the time that we have together on the second time oh when God does it the second time it's not diminished sometimes they'll come out with a movie and it does well and then they create what they call a sequel and sometimes that sequel is not most of the time not as good as the first one ladies and gentlemen God is a God that gets better. Woo, hallelujah. I'm thankful for what he did at creation, but I'm thankful to tell you he's a God that can recreate and regenerate. He's a God that'll do it all over again. Hallelujah. And as I looked at these verses, I believe uh, that the Lord was telling us, uh, I'm thankful for the apostolic church. I'm thankful that I've brought you together. I'm thankful that there's been a restoration uh, as the skin and the sinews have been renewed. Uh, But yet there is another prophecy. It is time for the apostolic movement to stand up uh, and prophesy one more time to the wind uh, and say, come uh, from the four corners of the earth come one more time and blow upon this generation it's time to blow one more time in north america it's time for another great awakening of the apostolic movement in the united states of america i believe the lord is saying it's time for god to move again in these last days it was the second time That life came to these bones. What it is that about this second time that causes life to come again? In Romans chapter 5, the Apostle Paul talks about Jesus being the second Adam. He compares Jesus to the first Adam. And he calls Jesus the second Adam. He draws a comparison between the first Adam as being flesh and Jesus as the second Adam being flesh and spirit. He said the first Adam brought death because of the sin that entered the human race. But the second Adam brought life. We pick up the narrative in Romans 5.14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. The first Adam pointed to the second Adam. I said the first Adam pointed to the second Adam, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. He draws a comparison now, and he says the first Adam, because of his sin, interjected sin or the offense into the human race. But just as that happened and you have understanding of it, you better get a revelation that the second Adam has interjected grace into the human race. And it's not just one and done. It's not just the law and sin and no recourse. I'm glad that God gives us a second chance. I'm glad that God gave us a second Adam. I'm glad that God gave us a second testament. The New Testament. I'm glad that God gave us a second commandment. Oh, I serve a God hallelujah that is causing us to ascend to the hill of the Lord. 
There is a progression in serving God. Paul draws this comparison. He says, not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, now watch this. For if, I'm in verse 15, if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more. Much more. Oh, those two words right there just get me all excited. Much more. The grace of God. It doesn't just end. It's much more. And it's not just more. It's much more. Hallelujah. I got news for you. If God did it once, he not only can do it again, he will do it again. And it'll be much more. Hallelujah. Where sin abounds, that's Adam. Grace does much more abound. That's Jesus. The mess that Adam got you into, Jesus can get you out of. You say, oh, I wish I didn't have this sinful nature. I wish I didn't either. We got the first Adam to thank for that. But God didn't just leave the human race dealing with the offense of the first Adam. He gave us a second Adam. He pointed to the one that would follow just as John the Baptist gave us repentance. But he said, there's coming one after me. That's mightier than I. I'm here to tell you the latter rain is going to be greater than the former rain. There's coming a revival. There's coming a prophetic utterance that's greater. Jesus. Much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace. And of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So, by the obedience of one, that's Jesus, shall many be made righteous. Woo, hallelujah. I know it was thousands of years later, but the same God that created the first Adam robed himself in flesh and came to the earth again as the second Adam that as sin hath reigned unto death even so might grace reign through righteousness here it comes now here's the secret formula unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord you got to get this the first Adam brought death because of sin but the second Adam brought life because of grace that's all you need to get. If you don't get anything else, get that understanding that the second Adam brought life. The second Adam was the wind that caused the bones to come alive. And when you and I are filled with the Spirit of God, that is the prophetic utterance of the second Adam that says, I've come to give you life and that more abundantly. Mm. The tabernacle in the Old Testament had two veils. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 1. Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made. The first wherein was the candlestick and the table. 
and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all. After the first veil, you had the furniture. You had the relics of religion. You and I live in a world, even where Christianity is involved, that's living only behind the second veil, going through the motions, got the trinkets of religiosity, going through the motions, got the table, got the candlestick, and got the showbread. But I believe that there is a hunger to move beyond the second veil. Because it's only when you get behind the second veil that you get into the holiest of holies that you begin to know the Lord. You begin to see Him face to face. That's why whenever Jesus hung on the cross and the Bible said He gave up the ghost, that that second veil was ripped in twain from the top to the bottom, giving access to every human being that you can come into the presence of God. You can know God for yourself. You don't have to live based on your parents' religion or your grandparents' religion. You can know God for yourself. I don't come today with any relics of religion. I don't come today with traditions of men. I come to you today with the outpouring of the power of a holy God. It's time to go beyond the second veil. It's time to get into the holiest of holies. Oh, you ought to lift your hands and voices right now. And you ought to shout unto God with all of your might. In the name of Jesus. Esau was the firstborn. And the birthright should go to the firstborn. The birthright was the spiritual, social, and financial blessing of the father. But Esau did not value it, so he went to Jacob, the secondborn. It was Jacob who was hungry for God, and he received the birthright. Many years later, when it was asked who this Jehovah God was, it was declared to them that he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, And Jacob, it was supposed to be Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. Because though Esau and Jacob were twins, Esau was born first. But God went with the second born. Oh, hallelujah. If you've always been in first place, you're not going to get anything out of this message. But if you've ever come in second place. I heard one comedian say he didn't care nothing about second place. All that means is that you came in first of all the losers. If you've ever come in second, third, fourth, or fifth, or didn't even make it to the podium. I've come to tell you about a God who specializes in cases like yours and mine.
If you've always been in the winner's circle, you're not going to understand a God that reaches for the one that came in second. You're hungry for it. God says, I'm going to go past all those ones that feel entitled to it because of who their daddy was. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody. Feel entitled to it because of who you've been. I've got news for you. It don't matter what your pedigree is. God's looking for people that are hungry. He'll jump over a whole crowd of self-righteous hypocrites to find one hungry heart. Go ahead. I'll preach to just myself and the platform. God is looking for somebody that's hungry. You say, I wasn't born right. I hadn't always done it right. Well, welcome to the human race. That describes the rest of us. But God is a God that reaches for the second ball. He's not going for people that are perfect. The Bible said the sick don't need a physician. Or those that are well don't need a a physician. But it's the sick. It's those that are hurting. Those that are hungry. Those that are longing for God. God said, I got something for you. Paul even wrote about this in Romans. He says in Romans 9.13, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. He was teaching about how that God had grafted in the Gentiles. He was writing to some Jews that weren't sure the Gentiles should have the same covenant arrangement that they had. They were not born as the original children of God. They felt like they wanted to maintain their position. But Paul began teaching in Romans 9 about how the Gentiles, the second born, have been brought into the family of God as a part of this royal inheritance. He even uses the word adoption in Romans 8. But in Romans 9, 24, he said, even us. Everybody say us. You and me, whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. As he saith also in Oseer Hosea, I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which was not beloved. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. We don't deserve this grace. We don't deserve this glory. But God said, they're going to be my people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm thankful that God made a way where there was no way. I'm thankful that God reached for me when we did not deserve it. Why was Paul writing about this? Because Paul had found a revelation that was very personal to him. God is a God of second chances. He had messed up in his earlier years. He thought he was religious. He thought he was in the will of God. Living behind the first veil. He didn't know what was behind the second veil. So he fought what he was ignorant of. Thinking that it wasn't of God. He was zealous. He was sincere. But he was sincerely wrong. 
Now God had given him a second chance. And Paul, with his education and his abilities, is now throughout this incredible book laying out a case for the value of second chances. It wasn't just Paul that opened up the door to the second born, to the second chance, to the second veil. But another person who was a predominant writer in the New Testament, in the Second Testament, the one who walked perhaps closest to the Lord as any other human in his earthly ministry. Peter knew something about second chances. Mark chapter 14 and verse 66 says, and as Peter was beneath in the palace, this now is the time when Jesus has taken to Caiaphas' house and he begins what we know of as the Via Della Rosa or those last hours before they take him to his crucifixion on the hill called Golgotha. They took him to Caiaphas, the, the Jewish high priest. They took him to his house first. And there cometh one of the maids of the high priest. And when she saw Peter warming himself, he's by the fire with some of the others that are kind of in the area. They're not actually inside the house where the trial's going, but they're on the outskirts. Peter was there, still loving God, still wanting to be close, but fearful. She looked upon him and said, and thou also was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied, saying, I, I know not, neither understandest what you're saying. And he went out into the porch. He, he moves, and then uh, as he goes out on the porch, that rooster crows. And a maid saw him again and began to say to them that stood by, this is one of them. I know he's one of the ones that hangs out with Jesus. He, he's one of the followers. He's the one I always see. And he denied it again. And a little after they that stood by him again to Peter, surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean, and thy speech agreeth thereto. you got the accent of one who's from Galilee. You sound like somebody that's from the northern region. I believe you are one of the followers of Jesus. Now at this point, uh, he's getting really frustrated. And in verse 71 says, and he begins to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom ye speak. And the second time the rooster crowed. And it was when he crowed the second time that Peter called to mind the word that Jesus had said unto him. You would have think in the process of him denying after that rooster crowed one time, it would jog something in his memory. But it took the rooster crowing two times for it to come to his mind. And Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him, before the cock crows twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. It was the second time that the words of the Lord came to Peter. Can I tell you? you something right now you may come to God the first time and you may come and sit in an apostolic atmosphere and say there's something about that I know it is of God but perhaps your heart is not ready can I tell you right now you better come the second time because sometimes it takes the rooster crowing more than once there's been times that God has tried to speak into your life but you were not ready to hear it but I hear the voice of God calling your name one more time come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest he's reaching for you again Come on, lift your voice and your hands one more time. There is a prophetic atmosphere in this house. Jesus. Jesus. 
Come on, the word of God is going forth again. The conviction of the Holy Ghost is going forth again. Second time. If you have messed up, you are not excluded. The Bible has two testaments. The first covenant is centered around the law. The second is centered around grace. The first time you came together as flesh, when you were born of your mother's womb, but now you come together as spirit. The first time Ezekiel prophesied, the bones came together, but the second time life came. John 3, Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, he was of the religious hierarchy, but he could not deny the miracles of Jesus. And so by night he came to Jesus and said, we know, Master, that you are come from God. What's the answer? Jesus answered him and said in verse 3, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God, for that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. I'm thankful for the flesh that I've got. I don't always take care of it like I should, but I'm thankful for these bones. I'm thankful for these sinews. I'm thankful for this flesh that covers up the entire apparatus. But I've come to tell you that this old body after 80 or 100 years is going to lay down to rest. But I'm thankful that there's a second wind that blows. I'm thankful that you and I can be born again. Because while the first birth brought me life, uh, there's a second birth that brings me eternal life. And one day we're going to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob uh, at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And it's going to be worth it all. Even Jesus is coming the second time. Woo! He's coming again. He came the first time and he brought eternal salvation. But that salvation was based on the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. But he's coming the second time to bring eternal life. He's coming in the clouds of glory with all of the heavenly host. And we shall rise to meet him in the air. I wasn't here when he came the first time. But I hope that I'm here when he comes the second time. But I've come to tell you, he came the first time in a humble manner. He came and was born in a manger. But the second time he comes, he's not coming as a humble child born in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. Oh no, my friend, he's coming as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's coming in the eastern sky. And he's going to say, come up a little higher. And I've come to tell you, those that have his spirit shall be caught away to be with him. 
him and there shall we be forever and ever stand to your feet Ooh, I feel an unction in the spirit of God we used to sing an old song it'll be different the next time you come wait and see you've got a lot of lonely children and one of them is me hmm Oh, I don't know about you, but I feel an urgency. I feel a pooling in the spirit. I pulled up an old YouTube video of Mickey Mangan sitting at a piano singing this song. And I just sat there and watched it and cried. I can't sing like Mickey Mangan. But I feel my soul singing. So bear with me. The first verse said, The first time you came to a stable long ago, they pushed you aside, for they really didn't know who had come to their world to save and to heal. So they followed you and your cross to the top of the hill. But it'll be different the next time you come. Wait and see. You've got a lot of lonely children, and one of them is me. You know, we want to see you, though we're never really at home. So if you're willing, Or if you're waiting to be invited, Lord Jesus, please come. How many of you can raise your hand and say you feel that in your innermost being? The minutes seem like hours, and the hours like days. I don't know how long we've waited, but it seems it's been always. Just to think the King of glory came in flesh like a man, and the only thanks he got for coming was the nails through his hands. But it'll be different. I said it'll be different. Oh, I wish I could shout it from the top of this room. It'll be different. (laughs) I wonder if God's people, whether you're in your seats or you can come and gather down here in this altar area. I wonder if everybody under the sound of my voice could find a place and begin to lift their hands and their voice and say, God, whatever I got to do to be ready. If you come today, God, I'm going to be ready. I thank you, God, but I'm ready for the second wind. I'm ready for the second chance. I'm ready for your second coming.
Jesus, Jesus. in the Holy Ghost everybody that's here can I think relate to this in some form or fashion so many times through the trials and stresses of life we we become that valley of dry bones we're just going through the motions but I feel that in this atmosphere that God is wanting to encourage his body of believers Jesus whatever you got to do to get right with God if you need to be baptized in Jesus name you need to repent of your sins you need to be filled with the Spirit of God whatever you got to do don't leave this place today without being ready for the second coming come on wherever you're at lift up your hands and your voice Lord I want to be ready I know you're coming back soon telling us over and over again you told us last week you tell us again today hallelujah jesus 